In this episode, Nick Rose, CFO at Enable, shares how he brings a transformational mindset to his role, describes how he's building a team that faces business challenges head on, and illustrates why adaptability is such an important quality in a CFO. Hi, I'm Ross, and this is the CFO Playbook, where each week you'll get insights from world-class financial leaders to help you grow your company, yourself, and face the challenges required of today's CFO. Before we jump into the interview, we want to invite you, our listeners, to head to our show notes to find a link to our listener survey. We want to learn from you to make the CFO playbook even better. As a thank you, you'll be entered into a competition to win your choice of an iPad or a Samsung Galaxy Tab S7. We would love your feedback. Nick, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ross. Good to be here. Nick, I'd love to start with uh, like your, your current role as CFO at Enable. Uh, what's interesting is you were in two locations that were unusually paired. So one is Stratford and the other is San Francisco. So what what led to that that unusual pairing of of Stratford and San Francisco in your current role? Well, Enable was, was originally a British company and it was founded by two guys uh, a few years ago back in, in the, the kind of early 2000s to be a software professional services software company. So we'd write software for other people and, uh, and deliver it and hand over the IP and all that sort of thing. And then about five years ago, we pivoted the whole business into being a software as a service, one main product with loads of different attributes and, and, and uses and everything. And it was all founded in Stratford-upon-Avon, which is where we have all of our UK team today, apart from a handful who are remote. And two and a half years ago, when I joined, the whole strategy was going off to uh, raise venture funding to help us grow the business faster and really make a big deal out of this product we've got because we think it's got real legs and the vision we've got is, uh, is really aggressive growth and really ambitious. And the best place to raise money from a technology point of view is San Francisco, Silicon Valley, the Bay Area. So we, we spent some months building a contacts and getting to know some people out there. And then in uh, November 2019, we went out there for a week or two, did some speed dating with lots of VCs, and were lucky enough to persuade a couple of them to invest in us. And as part of doing that, you have to uh, become an America first company. And that was absolutely our intention. And we made it very clear to the, the investors that you know, we are really serious about breaking into North America in a big way. It's by far the biggest market for us. And in order to do that, our chief executive actually relocated. So now lives and, and is, is resident in San Francisco, uh, which is where the VCs are, are based. It was a pretty natural step to become a, a Californian top company. We've still got our UK operation, hence Stratford and San Francisco. And we opened an office in Canada now, and as well as in Toronto. We hired our first Canadians in uh, March of last year, 2021, and opened our actual physical office in September. So we're, we're now a three, three location company. It's a, it's a very interesting journey. Not it's not that common. You'll hear of of like a seventeen year old uh, company then then seeking to go down the venture route, having pivoted just shortly before it. Has it been the same founding team that was that's been there since the very beginning that that's now still at the company as you're trying to scale it? 
Yeah, in terms of leadership, yes. Uh, wow. So, so Andrew, our, our chief, he's the um, the, the found one of the founding pair. The other guy, Dennis, is is a board member still. And our our longest servers are our, our COO, our head of engineering, and they've they've both been around for a number of years as well. And really, it's grow, growing with the company and getting really excited about the journey that we're on. And if you if you're good enough people, then people can change in that way as well of course and it makes it makes sense it's just amazing that that they've ridden this wave and also going from a service-based well yeah they were developing software but for services to actually building your own product and then trying to scale and monetize it it's a huge shift in business model and also mentality which is really impressive yeah yeah and it's not without its transformation pains within the business but i, I think the way we've communicated it and and engaged most of the team they're all with us on the on that journey and, and there's some really great people the vast majority of the company having said that have been with us for less than a year and a half now so we grew from about just under 100 people at the start of last year to 220 by the end of the year so more than half of the company is less than a year in yet another example of going through this incredible growth in the midst of mm. a very challenging uh, economic and social environment with the pandemic yeah, it's it's been interesting. Um, <laughs> we've been lucky enough to have have raised funding during the the pandemic, and you know, without that, the story would have been very different. We'd have been battening down those hatches and and making sure we conserved cash rather than spending it on growing the team and trying to grow the business faster than cash generation would ever allow. So yeah, we are we are deliberately burning cash. That's the pattern that we have to follow. And uh, as a result of doing that, we've been able to grow sales teams, customer success teams, implementation, and the whole engineering team, as well as the support functions in such a way that it's it's supporting what we call hyper growth. We're dipping for the line towards our, our end of year, at the end of this month in January, and we're hoping to have grown by 250% in the year. So it seems to be working. And so then what was that transition like for you? So, you know, prior to Enable, you had spent a long time at Travis Perkins, which is, again, this huge enterprise, public company uh, in, an, in a variety of roles. So to then switching across to different industry, a completely different stage, and then, of course, leading as a CFO for, I believe, the first time. What was that transition like? Yeah, interesting one. It's going from sort of 24,000 colleagues to about 70 the point I joined was was it was an interesting one, but I know I did several roles at, at TP, including finance leadership roles and an insight into what it's like being a public company and some operational roles as well. But what I spent the last three or four years doing there was business transformation and change, driven by system change. And one of the first systems that I was able to bring into Travis Perkins was one to deal with rebate management. You know, TP's got a, a a huge amount of rebate income from suppliers and rebate payments out to customers. Very difficult to manage. You know, a lot of it was done on spreadsheets and really needed to modernize for, for want of a better description. So my role was was to go find a solution that would help Travis Perkins basically make the most out of its trading agreements with its trading partners. And long story short, found Enable, did a deal with the Enable leadership who are, who are still there and now my colleagues. We developed that that system jointly for about a year and a half, and then implemented it into Travis Perkins. Really, it was it was chance conversations with with them. I, I really love the vision. Obviously, love the product. 
and I said, you know, you've got a great, great strategy and a great opportunity in front of you. If you need someone to come and help you with finance, give me a call. And they, a few months later, that happened. So uh, here I am, you know, not looking back at all. Some of the bits I most enjoyed in Travis Perkins were where you you work as a small team and and really create real change and make things really happen. And you can do that in a small business that's got big ambition far more than you ever can in a in a in a great big oil tanker type business that's you know got its own process and hurdles you have to get over to make, make change happen. I'd imagine the the mindset shift was pretty significant because even the, the term transformation it exists in larger companies. And I used to uh, be a, well, I'm a recovering consultant for my sins. So I, I used to engage with lots of the companies of, of uh, TPE size and, and elsewhere. Often we would be there on some type of transformation program. But the whole premise of that was that the, the rest of the business is operating as usual. Whereas you, as a, someone who was bringing transformation, you would bring change. But in Enable's stage and scale, there almost is no standard operating procedure because you're probably outgrowing everything you've built. So you're in this, it sounds cliched, but you're almost in like this constant state of change. Oh, totally. The scale and pace of what we're trying to achieve is is nothing like anything I've ever experienced or seen before. And it's engaging and rewarding being, being part of that. I, I love changing things. I love making things work more smoothly, work better and working with good people to, to make that happen. So yeah, there's been a, a whole load of different things. You know, when I joined, we were one country only. We're now in three. We're about to open in Australia. That before we'd never raised money before. We've now done that twice. We'd never done so many different things. And since I've been here, we've been really pushing the boundaries uh, as a team and resetting strategy, resetting our thoughts and goals to be ever more ambitious, I guess. And one of the the themes that comes up, a recurring theme uh, with many guests that we've had on is the the evolving role of the CFO in in that strategy development process. So, you know, many, many moons ago, there would have been less influence on it. It would have been much more of a reporting operational type of uh, ownership and responsibility. Whereas now there's a need to be a catalyst for change and a creator of the company strategy. Is that the way that you view your role and, and the way that you contribute to the Enable uh, company strategy? We, ha- we have an executive team that is really tight, really close. And I, I believe we work really well as a team together and we respect each other's strengths and what we bring to the table. I suppose one of the, the angles that I can bring is having been a customer. I've bought the product, implemented it, albeit three or four years ago. But I've, I've firsthand felt the pain points that are actual prospective customers feel and, and so I, I can get involved in understanding how we're prospecting to them how we're doing our, our pitches and also talking to them about the benefits that I've seen firsthand so so that does does help me I guess create more influence and putting things together as a, as a CFO I've got to understand where we're, we're aiming for and try and turn that into a financial plan that supports that growth of the business and so that means getting under the skin of, of all the evolution of team sizes and shapes and what are we going to invest our, our marketing money in, all, all the rest of it, make it hang together as a, a coherent business plan. And I'd imagine as well the fact that not just that you were a customer and bought it, but actually you exist. So that's for the existing product, but you also are almost like the ideal profile for a prospective customer. So you can shape 
product roadmap, even positioning, marketing. So in many ways, you're the, you're the best form of customer research because you're already in the team and, and people can come to you. Is that the role that you and, and maybe even beyond you that your team play at, at Enable? Yeah, our sales team and customer guys can always bounce stuff off us. And we do help them kind of wrestle through problems sometimes. I, I think, you know, if I'm being self-critical, probably not enough. Uh, we, we should be doing more of it. We also have a, a cadence where we reach out to our existing customers, the, the ones who've been with us a while and have really onboarded and, and adopted the product. We have customer advisory sessions where we get them in and ask them to talk uh, in real detail about how they're getting on with the product, what they'd like to see change, share best practice. And, and that we've, we've held uh, two of these uh, so-called customer advisory boards now, and they've, they've gone down really well. So we're, we're holding more. Thinking back to that previous role that you had, which was like leading transformation, did that help prepare you for the role that you're currently in and switching to such a fast-moving environment? Oh, totally, yeah. The transformation projects I, I got involved with were all driven because of a need to change uh, technology. In order to change, make technology change stick, you need to bring people with you and A, have great people designing what you're going to do and working on the the implementation and configuration and all those things, but really win the hearts and minds of, of the people that the change is being done for. And all of the change we're doing within Enable is being done for our people because we're a, a Silicon Valley software company. We have a you know equity plan where every, every single one of our colleagues owns part of the business. So it's being done for them all the time. Uh, and I think that's really really important and i used some of that experience we've we've just changed our erp system within the finance space uh we threw the old one out and put a new one in uh, over the summer and it you know the whole project went pretty smoothly uh, we went live first of october and it's um it's it's not fallen over yet so we're pretty happy i imagine that your or your previous experience will maybe help with that because you, you bit, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, because if you've seen enough that I'm sure there've been the odd failure or even just actually doing something as complex as, as actually building and, and implementing new systems for a 24,000 employee company, it actually allows you to just handle like a huge level of complexity when it comes to yeah. that, that type of thinking. Yeah. And the project plan's not so different. No. And the advantage is there's, there's only a handful of people you need to win over mm -hmm. and you can do that face to face and really personally rather than, than by kind of major mass communication. And so then you've got a unique position then actually to, to maybe offer your thoughts on the theme of automation in finance. So the automation has always been around, of course, like systems have always played a role, but there, there's a at least a thesis that areas like marketing and sales and even engineering experienced this wave of automation through different, you know, SaaS and cloud products over the past decade or 15 years. And that actually now the GNA functions, both HR and finance and others, are actually get there's a whole raft of new solutions and services that are doing the same for those areas. Is that how you see it? Because you've obviously seen it over a long period of time. Oh, for sure, definitely. So I like to think about it as I guess the traditional role of finance is, is one of keeping score and making sure the accounts add up, you know, pretty dull stuff, really very important to do, very important to get right as well. But it's not that inspiring. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you relate back to what you were talking about. Uh, you know, finance didn't really used to have much of a 
impact on strategy or or really thinking about how to develop the business. And the second role uh, has always traditionally been around control, uh, financial control. Have you got the right authority processes in place and, and all those things? Again, really, really important, clearly not so inspiring and not so much fun. But but what, what really I think has evolved, and it's the last number of years, it's not this is not new stuff, but insight and business analysis and business support, decision support, really giving the business advice that's useful, helping it point in the right direction. So and through automation, the necessity has been for finance people to handle major mass amounts of data and spot trends, spot opportunities, uh, spot risks within a sea of data. And because I guess finance people are, are trained in a certain way, they're at home handling you know, massive amounts of data and, and spreadsheets and, and seeing those, those stories that the data tells you and bringing them to life and saying, hey, if we do this, we can avoid all these low margin sales or we can concentrate on products that, that get us more returns. So I think automation is driving better advice from the finance team you can get more insight and more depth uh, and more credibility i suppose in, in what you're saying so the more the better from my perspective then you think about you know automation well everyone's trying to modernize their erp system and there's lots of really old clunky solutions out there that that you know everyone moans about and everything but what i see happening more and more is those those systems of record that should just be there to do that bread and butter stuff, the, the really, you know, the keep the double entry, the keeping of the general ledger. You're not really going to set the world on fire by having a different way of approaching a general ledger report. But what comes in is these best of breed point solutions like Enables, uh, and I would say that, but I, I genuinely believe it, to really give your company a point of difference and make something that is in an area that you have lots of opportunity within. So what we help with with rebates is if you're collecting the right amounts, predicting you're getting the right amounts, allocating the cash to the right products, handling your trading agreements really well. There's there's many, many dollar signs and pound signs in there to have a go at. And, and that's why I see the kind of base system is fine. Bringing these smaller point systems in over the top of that is, is a, a much better bet in terms of getting access to those upsides that you really want. So from your perspective, again, you've just recently put in a new ERP. So that's like the foundation for you to now layer on all of these new best of breed solutions, of course, of which Enable would be one. Yeah. I mean, well, we don't don't need to use our own. We're not big enough or complex enough for that. But as an example, we've just put in this ERP and uh, I've already got two uh, softwares change programs on top of that so one is a a product that helps us make head or tail of the american sales tax system does all our filings for us and works out whether we should be charging sales tax in particular states or not great product but it sits on top of our erp system because the erp can't do that it doesn't keep up to date with the legislation at that level of granular detail that we need and we've got another one on the go that is a compensation calculation program so again it takes data out of number one, our sales system, and number two, our ERP, puts it all into the calculator that we've built within it, within the, the product, and it will spit out the compensation we need to pay to our sales team for the deals that they've won in that quarter. Previous to that, we were doing it through a laborious manual spreadsheet and, and probably making mistakes 
uh, and certainly were unable to really show the account executives how their comp- compensation was properly calculated at that time. Now they've got a, a log into it, or will have, and uh, we'll be able to see exactly how it's put together themselves and it will make them feel much more supported and much more trusting of the numbers because they can drill in and understand the calculations themselves. And that sounds as if that's something that's driven by you and, and the finance team rather than coming from IT, for example. Oh, yeah. It's, we have a, a big hand in driving it, but I work with the other OZEC guys and say, well, what can I do to better help you guys? And our sales leader was saying, we really need something to help on compensation. So, so well, let's go find something. Yeah. And, and then you said that you've clearly prioritized that. And then imagine that you've got a raft of ideas of like the next waves of automation and then the next programs that you set up for, because there's there's so many areas that you can add these best of breed solutions in. Oh, there's a, there's a few still to come, yeah. Would there be any like on your on your hit list as areas where you think actually this these are problems that I would love to get to next? So, well, the the one that's fast following for us is is getting our expenses approach into the modern age, making sure we've got control over our company spend, and making it far easier for our people to actually charge expenses that are within an authorized process, rather than guessing and trying to get pre-approvals and uh, putting claims in on a clunky system. Yeah, so another area where you can automate. And I find this fascinating because one of the things that often comes up as well is that in order to implement these these new technologies and these tools, it does two things. One is it frees up the people who are like very strong in analysis in your team to, as you said, I love that expression, give better advice to the business but then also it actually in some cases requires a more technical skill set and mindset within the finance team to be able to understand these tools to select the tools to help design them with other partners around the business is that something you've seen in in the the demands on your team and therefore the people who you want yeah absolutely so i would say i've got a really strong team forward-looking open to change the whole implementation of the ERP was was done absolutely open arms willingly despite a couple of the um the guys having used the old system for a, quite a long time there was there was no real significant barrier to change and that was really important otherwise we would probably have fallen over at times in the project and wh- when I've, I've I've hired a couple of people as well and and what I look for is real energy real forward thinking and real uh, willingness to look for different solutions and, and try something new. And my litmus test of that when they get into an, an interview scenario is how much do they already know about us? How much have they bothered to find out? And how much energy can they bring to the role? Are they are they lively people? Or, or are they kind of laid back, sitting back and kind of thinking long and hard about answers rather than just having a chat and, and talking talking naturally? So that I find that interesting because in, in interviews, something I've been tussling with myself recently is that it's very easy to slip back to testing on knowledge rather than like on some of the attitudes and some of like you're referring to yeah. like attitudes and energy. And even with the idea of being forward thinking, it's more attitudinal than, than anything else. I'm trying to challenge myself more and more to get away from the knowledge and go into something that's almost like deeper psychological. Do you have any tips on how you approach that? Like you mentioned one for energy, but how else do you get make sure that you're getting the right profiles, not just the people who know how to sell themselves in an interview? Well, you can always look at what people have on their CVs and you know if they've got financial accountant 
on their CV, then they, yeah, they've probably qualified. They've probably done uh, a number of, of years of posting journals and doing management accounts and working all that stuff. So I always ask them what change projects they've been in. How did they go? What what did they do? What do they what do they learn about themselves from that? You know, that can tell you a lot. And and business improvement projects in the same vein. And you can begin to piece away about whether they are people who run towards a business improvement challenge or have just kind of been put on this project just because they were, you know, on the right chair at the right time. You know, so how did they really make it happen? I like that. I like the the what did they learn about themselves. So so maybe Nick, if you if you indulge me, can I turn the table? So in your uh, two and a half or so years in Able, in your time as a CFO, uh, we talk going through all of that change that we spoke about. What have you learned about yourself in this recent experience since moving on from TP? I've learned um, I'm hugely adaptable. I can throw my mind to very lots of lots of different things. I have a, a real deep care for our team and making sure people are, are comfortable and supported and, and in that sort of way and, and actually not only know what's expected of them and how they're getting on and where they stand, but actually that people care about them as well. I'm quite a strong believer in that sort of thing. And uh, I guess I've, I've learned I've got a, a lot of energy to try and keep balls in the air. And when they've got challenges on many, many different fronts, keeping things moving is just the most important thing. And, uh, you know, trying to be, I guess, an inspiring leader to the rest of the business. And, and I've, uh, I've learned that in some small way, I can help do that. And you, you touch on a couple of points. I'd, I'd love to get even more advice from you on. One is the, the inspiring leader. Um, but the second is the, the trying to push things forward. Like, because you have, and this is uh, increasingly indicative of most CFOs, an incredible like, breadth of responsibility. And you're, you're trying to scale a company rapidly. You're fundraising, which is always on top of the day job, of course, as well, even though it is a core part of the job. How do you manage your time to, so that you can actually achieve so much and do so much? And just, where, where you're, you're very time poor, I'd imagine. Definitely time poor. Uh, <laughs> I... I, I guess it's, it, that's always going to be the same same old answer is prioritization. Try and make sure you, you're not just answering those who are shouting loudest, but what you think the business really needs the most. What is the fundamentals that you have to do uh, every day or every week? And just just try and keep ahead of schedule, see things coming. And I think one of the things that really helps us, us do that, it, and I, I referred to it earlier, is how closely knit the executive team are so we have a really clear view of, of our direction our strategy our hiring plans our our people and i suppose what makes it work is our ability to make decisions really quickly and you know we we set ourselves objectives and key results okrs every quarter most businesses i've ever seen set them every year and that drives the pace of change so if ever i know i need to know what are my real priorities this quarter because you set back and think about we set them at the company level first and then we set them by team and then we roll them down to the individual so if anyone ever know wants to know what they should be doing they should be looking at their team and their individual okrs which we know roll up to support what the company's trying to do whether it's that very quarter the next quarter or a, a longer term thing so for every three months, we're trying to deliver so much, but it is quite controlled and quite um, 
quite visible what each team's trying to trying to achieve. There's some sage advice in there for everyone, and perhaps just one other question um, on the like touching back on that point of inspiration. I think that now, whether it's real or not, the Great Resignation, people re-evaluating what they're doing in the pandemic, you know, the incredible fight to hire talent. It's it's almost as it is a uh, challenging in London as it now is in the Bay Area, and then it's kind of spreading all over. And I think what's becoming clear is that people are looking uh, at companies and they're expecting a lot and they're not just expecting compensation or the or the, the benefits, they're expecting a sense of purpose. And they're often, they often are really analyzing the leaders and the teams they're working with. And that's where that, that leadership that you mentioned and trying to offer that sense of purpose and inspiration is so important. What are the ways that you try and do that with your team um, and of course with the broader company at Enable? Look, I think uh, just be myself how would I be anything else? And if, if I can bring people along with me through showing the amount I care about our success and, and what we need to do to get there um, and the amount I care about our people and, and supporting them, then, you know, people generally will follow that if they, if they actually believe what you're saying. And I think um, you have to show track record. So we're about to launch our third all employee survey. We did one last February, one in August. And we've we've really taken those seriously. So we anonymous feedback and we've corralled that feedback into certain themes and we're showing the company every month at our all hands meetings and, and more regular communication outside of that, what we're doing about it. And so people are beginning to see, oh, well, it really was anonymous because there were some comments that that you can imagine. And and actually those are taken as constructive feedback and we're, we're doing stuff about them. But but we're constantly relating our our change programs and our, our things we're trying to do to make our employees' working lives just that much better. We're constantly relating it back to the feedback that we've received. So we're listening and therefore we're doing stuff. And I think that's really important. So you set the example and you're you're actually really, really driving that and, and making sure people can see you, you're visible. Uh, you're always happy to stop and have a chat with people it's a small company still i reckon i know almost everyone in it yeah i think that that topic of visibility is all the more important especially well you're already a distributed team anyway because you have different offices in different countries but then as as some people are remote or many are remote it's even more important to be visible in different channels yeah oh absolutely i mean the 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 visibility you know where would we be today without video calls right so I could not imagine how the last two years would have ever gone without that. But, uh, you know, we are now, especially as a leadership team, now borders are opening up a little bit. We are traveling a bit. And and that's important to get a, a kind of worldwide connection with our people. And Nick, as we draw to a close, uh, I always like to ask our guests like, what advice they would give to others who are perhaps aspiring to to be in your position and would like to be a CFO one day, but they're slightly early in their career. So, what would you, what advice would you give them so that they could first of all achieve that goal and then be successful when they when they find that position? Being true to yourself is is actually a, a bit of a cliche, but it really works. Be sure of what you're doing. Don't ever be afraid to ask for help. Uh, I've seen some people try and struggle on and and not get very far because they're they're struggling on without knowing an answer. But remember, you can't do anything unless you do it through people. So you know what what do I actually do day to day? Most times it's it's working with people, influencing them, 
making some making things happen and and you've got to have good people around you to achieve that it's simple to me i think that's great advice um nick thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today i've really appreciated you taking the time thanks very much ross one last thing we want to hear from you our listeners to learn how we can make the cfo playbook even better head to our show notes to find a link to our listener survey as a thank you you'll have the opportunity to win your choice of an ipad or a samsung galaxy tab s7 we'd love your feedback This show is brought to you by Soldo, the brighter way to manage business spending and expenses. With Soldo, you can control every expense, track spend in real time, automate financial reporting, and then use those insights to fuel growth. Learn more at soldo.com.